troopers, I just received new orders. Our superiors say the war is canceled. We can all go home. Bison is getting paid off for his crimes. And our friends who have died here will have died for nothing. But we can all go home. Meanwhile, ideals like peace, freedom, and justice, they get packed up. But we can all go home. Well, I'm not going home. I'm going to get on my boat, and I'm going up river, and I'm going to kick that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard that the next bison wannabe is going to feel it. No, who wants to go home? And who wants to go with me? Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Hello, friends of the show. Hello, friends of the show. Hey, this is our 100th episode. 100, I forgot, yeah. Yeah. We made it. We made it. We made it. To an arbitrary number. Yeah. Three three numbers now in our numbers. Trip Didge. Trip Didge, they call it. As the kids say. Yeah, I think that's the official podcast terminology. And what better way to do it than with a movie like Street Fighter. Yeah, well, you would imagine that in your first 100 episodes you want to cover things that are likely to be in the top 100 movies of all time. Mm. So we just squeezed it we in. Squeezed it, yeah, we squeezed it in. Yeah. I think the AFI just squeezed this in too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Might be in the top 100 video game movies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> big week. Big week for us. It's been a big week. We've got the merchers up there, the merchandise the, the Etsy store. Yeah. The Double Impact uh, official retail presence. Yeah. Um, and some friends of the show have already got in there and, and made some orders. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Indeed. Hey, that, that marks our first foray into commercialization of the Double Impact podcast. It does. It does. Even though we haven't made a cent out of advertising. Yeah, exactly. Ironically. So we've made tens of dollars at this point. We have. Yeah. We're 10 airs. <laughs> we're 10 airs, exactly. Well, not really because well, there's a whole lot of sunk costs so we're still in the red. Yeah, I, I, I mentally just pretend. That doesn't count. <laughs> like if I spend my own money, yeah. it doesn't come out of the double no, impact of money. Course. <laughs> of course. But yeah, I've got a, I'm basically only wearing double impact merch right now because <laughs> the testing process meant I've got a lot of tees and shit. <laughs> Many, many tees. No one has spotted me in the streets yet. No one stopped me and said, oh, my God, where did you get that stylish shirt? No, they haven't. Me neither. They've thought it. I can see it on their face. But people are shy. They are uh, in, in, inherently shy. Yeah, yeah. About asking about T-shirts. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Hey, since it's, we're doing a Jean-Claude Van Damme episode, mm-hmm. I thought maybe it's a good week to do a Campaign 2000 update. It's oh, been a while. Oh, it has been a while. <laughs> it's almost like we forgot about it. Almost. <laughs> almost. So, we still don't have Jean-Claude Van Damme. No. <laughs> but. Yes. We've got the next best thing. Uh-huh. Arguably. 
Mr. Frank Dukes. We've actually already interviewed him. You probably already know that. But a full episode. We spoke to him for so long that it's going to be a standalone episode. We thought we might, you know, we didn't know how long we we're going to get with him. Mm-hmm. We thought we might might even just be 10 minutes or something, in which case we'd probably just include it in a JCVD episode. But it was a good chat. We talked about so much. Mm, he's quite a learned man. He is man of the world, a lovely, lovely guy. He was a very sweet gentleman, it has to be said. Yeah. And I think uh, I've said to you before, Greg, I think in my mind I kind of just had him in a similar bucket to Steven Seagal in his, you know, Steven Seagal's quite not nice. Mm, yeah. <laughs> And that whole can laugh in your face kind yeah. of thing. No, he wasn't. He's the at exact no point opposite. Did he say to us, can I laugh in your face? In the opposite. Fact, <laughs> he referred to Tristan as astute. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Very astute. Very astute. In response to something that I didn't think was all that astute, but I'll take it. Was you. I'm going to put it on my LinkedIn. You were referring to the Kumite as a, more of a learning experience and sharing of ideas. It was the South by Southwest of its day. I believe so. Yeah, so the TED talk, but you talk with your hands and your kicks. What bands would have been there? <laughs> the one whoever sings "Fight to the Air." Kumite. Yeah, all those people that sound like Joe Perry, Steve Perry, Joe Perry. Which one? Steve. Steve Perry. Mm. Yeah, all those guys. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and the people that sing "Kung Fu Fighting." Oh yeah, that, that'd be there. Be thematically correct. Yeah, and maybe just maybe MC Hammer because he had a Street Fighter song. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, so that episode will be coming soon. We'll, we video recorded most of it too. Yeah, but we ran out of a good bit. Yeah, we ran out. He did give us a, a tour of his office, which was packed to the brim with all kinds of mementos, mm. I suppose, from uh, his many, many chapters of his rich life story. Yeah, illustrious. We didn't get. We do have the audio of that, so obviously we'll talk through that. But the video is exciting because obviously we can start to put some stuff on YouTube as well. So mm. we'll try and put together a little sneak preview of that soon for the, for the socials and for YouTube, and then the episode will be coming soon. Um, bit of editing to do on that one, mm. but coming soon, we'll say. Very exciting. And you know, at this point, we're like one step removed from the great man. So yeah, we'll get there. All right, that's the campaign two thousand update. Now we're here to talk about a movie, aren't we, Greg? Yeah. A movie that came out in 1994? 1994. What a year. A long time ago. <laughs> you ever heard that? I um, have a story. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Chappelle's skit on Tupac. Yeah. How he's not dead and he keeps making songs and then just chucks in. <laughs> <laughs> ah, bless you, Chappelle, you genius. Yeah. Um, yes, so 94 um, and we're at the stage of the format where I recount a member berry of the era. Yeah, to, to put us back in the mindset of being a little, for me, 10-year-old mm. in the mid-90s. Mm. So 1994, um, I thought I would try and tie it somehow to Street Fighter. Um, big year for computer games and, and consoles, in fact, 1994. Yeah. Do you know what happened in 1994? Tell me. The release of the Sony PlayStation. Fuck, was that 94? Yeah. I would have, if I had to guess, I would have said that was like 97 or something. Well, that wouldn't have been the worst guess because it that was it was released late uh, in '94 in Japan, so the third of December, 
1994 in Japan, 9th of September 95, so it was quite a bit later that year, uh, sorry, the next year in um, in North America. Wow, you couldn't do that now. The no, world, the world they, would they, not. They were demand equality. Yeah. Wow. And uh, later in September for Europe and then November for Australia. Did you have a PlayStation? I did. What games did you have? Um, well, we got one early and what did it come with? What was the early game? Ridge Racer was the first. Oh, that's right. And maybe yeah. Tekken or something? We had Tekken, Eddie yeah. Corridor. No, I think I just had the demos. I had like, oh, I think it came with the demo discs. Eddie Corridor. I just button mashed Eddie Corridor. Which one was Eddie Corridor? The Capoeira guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, hey, do you know the, the I guess, origin story of the PlayStation? It's quite a... Uh, I do not. It's quite an entertaining, entertaining, oh. entertaining tale. Right. Um, full of espionage, not really. Corporate, corporate espionage. Oh, okay, nice. Not really espionage. I just like that word. It's a good word. Can I give you – why don't I give a, just a quick little summary of what went down? Is yeah. that cool? Yeah. So the PlayStation was a brainchild of a Sony exec um, whose name was Ken Kutaragi, mm. uh, who's known as the father of the PlayStation, no less. Right. So he used to watch his daughter play uh, the Famicom and, you know, wanted to get in on that action. So he was working on the side a little bit, bit of a side hustle with Nintendo. Mm. Um, getting them to use some of some of the Sony's chips. Yeah, let's call it that. Gets a bit technical otherwise. Yeah. So his boss found out about that, cracked the shits, but was going to fire him. But then realised that oh, actually he's onto something. Oh. So they started working a bit more closely with uh, Nintendo. They were looking to do a co-release that would basically be a CD-ROM attachment to a Super Nintendo or the Famicom, right. as it's called in. Yeah, because I think Sega Mega Drive had like a Mega CD add-on thing. So it Did seemed they? to be like the thing at the time. Yeah, it's like right. getting the CD in there. Yeah, got to get that CD in there, CDs. Yeah. So that was happening. They broke a deal that I think uh, it was a bit confusing for me, Simpleman, but mm. effectively I think it was favouring Sony a lot. I think they got a lot of the rights the way this this deal his co-release was going to pan out. Right. Um, and it seemed like more of an opportunity for Sony to enter the market than it did for Nintendo to create something great. Right. So Nintendo were getting screwed, so they bailed out. Yeah. Um, and it kind of went from there. Sony went off to develop their own solutions and pulled in expertise from all kinds of joints. Mm. Um, and the rest, as they say, is history. Um, you know, over 7,918 games were released for the console over its lifespan. Cumulative sales of... 962 million units. So, uh, yeah, you could say it was kind of a big deal. (laughs) And you know what? It's so good that it worked out that way because I heard recently, maybe just last week, Microsoft tried to buy Nintendo, which in what I could only assume was around the same time before they made Xbox. And Nintendo just laughed at them. Because someone that worked at Microsoft recently did an interview and told that anecdote that they just laughed them out of the room, like quite... As, oh. as comical as you would imagine, yeah. But it's great that now there's these th- <laughs> now there's these three different things because the last thing you want is a monopoly in the because oh, Sega died right. now Sega just makes games no longer makes consoles yeah. And I, I've heard Sony people or Microsoft people I don't know non Nintendo people say we need Nintendo they they, they bring the industry forward like you need to have yeah. they're important. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to be talking a lot about games today because I've got a few, I've got a little bit on some video games. Ooh. One that shares the, the title of this movie. But before we get into that, it was a big year for movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Year of the Lion King. Ah, uh, my <laughs> Forrest Gump, True Lies. Oh, 
We haven't done True Lies yet. Yeah, Flintstones, The Mask, Speed, Dumb and Dumber, oh, Four Weddings wow, and a Funeral. Wow. Why am I saying wow like an idiot? Yeah. Wow. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Interview with a Vampire, Pulp Fiction, Time Cop came yeah, in at Max, number 25. The great Max Walker. Yeah, came in at number 25. And coming in at number 26 was Street Fighter. So there were little bosom buddies in the uh, top 26 there. <laughs> He's really got a monopoly on the mid-20s. Well, it's actually a $200 million box office year for Van Damme this year because um, Time Cock Damn. made Time Cock. God, that's a Time Cock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. That's, that's a good porn parody. Porn parody. Travels through time <laughs> and vaginas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh so uh, yes. time made just over. <laughs> time clock made just Were you over. Just thinking about time clock. <laughs> I was now just building out the plot. Yeah, like a little going through like a portal. No, I was writing the story. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, stay tuned. Time clock made just over 100 mil, and Street Fighter made just under 90. So it did well. That's Miranda's numbers. Not critically, numbers. of course. Yeah, nearly Miranda's numbers. Um, like, it was a budget like of a 35. Light year. Miranda's, yeah, one of those the, the secondary years. Uh, yeah, budget of $35 million for Street Fighter with a return of $99.4 million. Mm. Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 10%. <laughs> Crack double digits. Yeah, an audience score of 20%. Oh, yeah. So they thought it was twice as gooder. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> gooder. <laughs> was it a big one for you, Greg? Uh, I've, I've sort of captured memories of the game and the movie. Yeah, me shall, too. Shall I go movie? They're, they're intertwined. Well, wherever it starts with you. It definitely starts at the game. Yeah, good game. So earliest memory was probably playing uh, at a Perth uh, on the western coast of Australia. Shout out to our Perth massive, Juniper Estate. Um, playing with Blanca at uh, Fremantle Time Zone, had one of those locking sessions. What are you doing in Perth? Visiting my family. Man, you've all over the place. Very worldly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'd go to these time zone parties, which probably a lot of us have where you get, I think you pay 10 bucks or something, and you get yeah. two hours locked in time zone. Yeah. So we ran over, we bolted, and we got to the machine first. I was blanker because you just press light punch. Yeah. And you just electrocute everyone. I think I didn't go to time zone a lot initially when this first came out at that age, but it was something you talked about at school. And then I think someone had a time zone birthday party or something, and it was like mind blowing. But then it must have been a couple of years later when it got released on. Super Nintendo, oh, yeah. Yeah, and then I got it. Me and me and my sister. So I mentioned my dad lived in Singapore at the time. He brought over a Super Nintendo for us for Christmas. Wow! Yeah, and with Street Fighter. Ah! Yeah, but it was the Asian version of the console, the the Famicom or whatever it was, yeah. the, and had the purple buttons and stuff. Yeah, that's cool. And then I couldn't buy any games. Any other games? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we only had Street Fighter, but it was a big deal because we were all down the coast. It was a family Christmas on my dad's side staying at my grandparents' house, all my cousins were there. We had this thing set up in the garage and we'd like attack it as a team. The days mapped out, all right, we're going to play Street Fighter. Now, Luke, you're pretty good at beating Vegas, so you play against him. And, <laughs> and like it was – Some good um, collaborative. It was. <laughs> it, was like, it was like humans versus the machines. It was, it was. And we found, because my dad also got some weird fancy controller from Singapore. With a joystick? Where, well, it had these switches – 
And similar to what you're saying with Blanca because he's a special movie, just press the thing. You could just switch the light punch button across and it would just automatically, it's like you're pressing, it's like you're pressing light punch really fast. And Bison would like fly straight into it and it was amazing. Although that's the other thing too because we had the Asian version, the characters had different names. So M. Bison was a boxer, which makes more sense because it's like Mike Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Bison basically. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I think, yeah, the Bison Bison was Vega and Balrog was the Spaniard and and you couldn't play as any of them. They were all bosses at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the original Street Fighter. You couldn't play with them and then Street Fighter – to Championship Edition, yeah, you could play as the boss. And see, this was the only version I ever had, so I'd never played as You'd those never characters. never grabbed people close up with Balrog and hit punch and grabbed him and just headbutted him? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then this movie came out. Yeah. And, you know, as, as we've talked about, Jean-Claude Van Damme was very important to both of us growing up. And mm-hmm. I'd watch all those at Jono's house. Me and Jono would play Street Fighter. Street Fighter movie comes out starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's oh. like, what a What a Van. What a Ven. Wow. You and you below. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me, JC, and a movie. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Like, of course this is a huge movie. And of course of course he's playing guy. It makes perfect sense to a 10-year-old. <laughs> All right. I was like, yeah, mad. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to Macquarie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, think, I believe we went and saw it at Macquarie Centre. Mm-hmm. I think we both loved it. But I think also in those days there was just the fact that I was thinking about this. The games didn't have cutscenes and things. So even just the fact that you were going to see these characters in a story was like yeah. a huge novelty factor. It was. And for the age, it was very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It was massive. Yeah. Was that similar for you? Uh, yes and no. Oh, okay. Yes in the excitement and build up. Yeah. So a bit of context. I was in year seven. Um, and in the first year of school, you're in classes that aren't academically graded. So uh, a lot of my friends were, as it turned out, quite smart. <laughs> so I spent less and less time with them as, as the years went by because uh, you get pulled apart in your classes. Uh, okay. And obviously I wasn't up to their height, their academic heights, their dizzying academic heights. Uh, but in year seven they probably hadn't worked out I was a dummy. So we were good mates and I was really keen to see this movie. So I said let's go see this movie. They uh, were less keen. And they were like, I want to go watch Dead Poet Society. Probably. Was it that year? Probably. Probably uh, they were pretty normal. They were just smart. Yeah. They weren't up. They weren't uh, too nerdy. Okay. So I take the Poindexes to see <laughs> Street Fighter. And um, look, i got to say I was pretty <laughs> underwhelmed. Yeah. I didn't really think many of the characters nailed the characters. Yeah. Why is Guile the lead anyway? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this, this is a Ken and Ryu vehicle. I mean, this is you're describing my rewatch now. Yeah, right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was yeah. a couple again. It comes back to me being a little bit older. I think I was also just very forgiving because I liked. You wanted to believe. Yeah, I think it was. I think I talked about this with another movie where I was like, "Yeah, I liked it, even if I didn't." Yeah. Oh no, it was my commitment to spam. The advertising worked on me, and then my mum bought it. I didn't really like it, but I was like, "Yeah, I like it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you try frying it or cutting it? To make, three. to make three quarter pound burgers. <laughs> exactly. It's good stuff. Um, yeah, I think I was just so committed to it. Yeah. Well, I'd also, I'm not overthinking it. I think I was just like, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, there was explosions. Yeah. But I can totally see why you would have that reaction. Yeah, and they That's never lived makes it sense. down because it was my choice. Oh, and they all hated it. Yeah, they ripped into me. Yeah. Especially, I mean, Kylie's performance really sealed the deal. We'll get into it. But well, and you're, you're, at that, you're in year seven as well. So yeah. 
yes, age, but also just life stage, there's like a point where you can be in year seven and still be a child. You can be in year seven and like, I'm not going to say be a man, but there's definitely a divide starts to it's appear. Probably, you can, there's an air of critical thinking in your decision-making yeah. or points of view. Yeah, but, but you may also still like things that other people don't like anymore mm. and so, you know, yeah. So that was kind of my It was more at stake in your viewing than in my experience. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then bison flying around at the end was really the, we were like, oh, come on, mate. That was bad. I think we might have walked out at that point. <laughs> It was, it was, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You want to you get into the origin, origin? Let's do the origin story. Origin story. Now, there's, there's obviously a convergence of two stories here. you got, you got the meteoric rise of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. On one side. Mm. And you got the meteoric rise of a game called Street Fighter. Oh. Or more importantly, Street Fighter 2 yeah. on the other side. That's probably th- something we didn't specify. Street Fighter 2 was really yeah, where it yeah. became. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Streety. Yeah, more streety. So, so to recap, it's 1994, six years after Bloodsport, five years after Kickboxer, three years after Double Impact, two years after Universal Soldier, one year after the denim western era <laughs> of nowhere to run and hard target. Oh, don't get. Um, his star continues to rise. Mm. Don't know how many more episodes I'll be saying that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's he's evolved from martial arts karate guy into full-blown lap pack. Is this the next Arnold? Going from, you know, the blood sports of the world, kicky, kicky, spinny kick to to universal soldier, gablamo-y, mm. you know, that kind of Special shit. Special effects. Special effects. Time travel. There's never enough. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Sounds like Timmy. Damn. Yes. And Time Cop, of course, came out earlier this year and was huge. His biggest one to date, $100 million, $106 million at the box office. Keep going. Um, his second biggest was $20 million less than that with Double Impact. So this is very, very much, if you charted these things, the line is moving in the right direction. Then comes this movie. But before we get into this movie, it's kind of hard to talk about it without talking about the video game. Mm-hmm. Some of its uh, humble beginnings, Street Fighter Part 1. Quite a simple game in, in retrospect. Uh, I didn't know a lot about Street Fighter 1. It was probably slightly before our time actually. Mm, yeah, I think so. Um, but the first one, the first Street Fighter was released in 1987. Uh, quite a simple game. I didn't know much about it until I read up on it, but you, you play as Ryu. It's the only character you can play as. Oh. And you fight all the other people. And Sagat is the last guy. He, oh. It's his tournament. He's the boss. There was a little bit of multiplayer. So at any time another player could come in and go... You know, I challenge you. Challenge. That, that would be Ken. Oh. So they're, they're essentially the same moves and everything, right? Mm. And um, they would fight. So that was the extent of multiplayer. But otherwise you're Ryu, Ryu, and you fight Saget at the end. Mm-hmm. Successful game. Mm. But, of course, Street Fighter 2 is where it really became the cultural phenomenon. This is where we got the real Street Fighter. Um, there are a lot of technical reasons why it was so innovative that I don't know how to explain, but doing creative things with the lack of memory and things to make it work. There's good old-fashioned stories of video games mm-hmm. and, like, why Mario has a hat and you know, those yeah. types of things. There was these serious restrictions they had, yet they innovated their way out of them. Yeah. What I think is super interesting, which was new at the time, was that each of these people that were coming up with the characters only looked after one or two characters max. And so each person that was coming up with a character was trying to come up with the best fucking cool. character. And so they all end up so differentiated. Yeah. 
they all have these unique abilities and powers and things, which I think was new, especially for multiplayer. And they all had these elaborate backstories. Even mm. though you don't really see it in the game, you might see a little bit of, I guess, something sort of like a cutscene at the end if you beat it. But yeah. it's just a few very basic animations with speech bubbles. But that yeah. was the story. I think Blanco finding his daughter or something. Mum. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. They had matching bracelets. <laughs> Sangeef dances with Boris Yeltsin. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they do that dance. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Well, anyway, the irony of this is this is actually one of the most cinematic video games of its time. Mm. Yeah. So out of any video game to make in those days, to make into a movie, this one actually had characters with backstories. Why didn't they use any of them? <laughs> it's bizarre. It's, we'll do a little audit of that uh, later. I've yeah, got a breakdown. yeah, same. <laughs> but, yeah, the idea, I think what was unique about it at the time was this idea of each of them having different strengths yet gameplay being balanced. Yeah. That's like pretty hard to do. Yeah. So they did it mostly except they left Dalsim out. Actually, that came up in the thing I was watching. They made him slower. Did they? Yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that at the time. But um, they also would put a few machines in arcades for testing and then collect all the data. Oh, yeah. And then they found that Zangief won, on one machine, Zangief won 70 games in a row. Interesting. And they're like, okay, he's overpowered. So there's this really like delicate balance of trying to get all these Test things. Test and learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course... Uh, that became a massive part of it because multiplayer became such a huge aspect. It had to be fair. It wasn't just Ken versus Ryu. It was like a bloody monster from Brazil that can electrocute you. Versus, you know, so mm. that it, was, it was very uh, fine art in, in delivering this. So at this point it, it blew up and the multiplayer helped Globally? make it blow up. Initially the multiplayer wasn't that big of a hit in Japan like when they first pushed it out and the US loved it and then everyone loved it eventually but it was a bit of a slow burn in in Japan apparently. But the thing that the cash cow is the multiplayer. They call it, they call it coin flow. Mm. The multiplayer created great coin flow. Oh, those yeah. coins would flow. Those two five-cent pieces glued together to make a two-dollar coin <laughs> yeah. would flow. Oh, man. That, yeah. And then, of course, it went to consoles Yeah, where it sold 15 million copies and ended up in my grandparents' garage. It was a big deal. Yeah. By 93, there was Street Fighter manga, 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 manga. An animated movie the same year as this, comic books, all kinds of shit. Well, manga, yeah. Um, Hentai? (laughs) Potentially. (laughs) We'll save that for the test at the end. But this thing had legs. It was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. So Capcom, the publisher of the game, took a big suitcase of cash to Hollywood. Actually. Well, maybe not a suitcase. I think probably, yes. In one of those great Ramoa suitcases, I assume. Yeah. (laughs) Now, interestingly, from the start, they wanted Van Damme. So that was, they always envisaged, envisaged Van Damme as Guile. So that was part of – it wasn't mm. part of the deal so much, but it was it was part of the plan. It was mm. like, yeah, we'll get that guy. We'll take it to Hollywood. They'll get that guy for us, yada, yada, yada. So they sort of pitched it around town. Um, one producer saw it for the cash cow it was, Ed Pressman. He wanted it in. He wanted to be in the Street Fighter business, oh, the yeah. Capcom business. Yeah. Um, and he knew he had the guy to helm the thing, to write it and direct it. At that stage, probably just write it. But – Stephen E. D'Souza, oh. who we'll know from penning such classics as Die Hard and Commando. You can see how this is a logical choice at the time. Yeah. At the time. Um, he had a day or so to come up with a treatment. And I think it was kind of like a pitch to come back and go, this is how we would do it. And he kind of pitched pretty much what we ended up with. Blah. And they loved it. Was he assassinated? <laughs> You'd think so. But no, they loved it apparently. Uh, my interpretation of this also is like they already had 
you know, an animated movie in Japan that was much closer to the actual story of Street Fighter. Mm. I can imagine this being like, we want something that resonates in America. That sounds stupid, full of explosions. That should do it. You know what I mean? I think yeah. it was like their, their version of what American movies are. Like, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. We'll do that. Um, so they did. <laughs> <laughs> but the crazy part is it's like from day one, you got Van Damme. Mm. The video game is a fight tournament. Mm. You've hired the fight tournament guy. Mm. This is the fight tournament guy. Mm. Like Lionheart is basically a Street Fighter movie. Absolutely. We said that at the time, right? If anything, that could be a video. You could make a video game out of yeah. that movie. I don't know why you wouldn't start somewhere like that and make it a tournament. Why yeah. wouldn't you make it a tournament? It's crazy. <sighs> it just got too tricky. And then, you know, a couple of years later, Mortal Kombat comes out. It's a tournament, baby. Shoots the lights out. Yeah. I think it was like the next year. Yeah. And it's just, don't overthink it, assholes. It's a tournament. Mm. I call this, it's like the KFC strategy. You know, like McDonald's is like making salads and shit. And KFC is like, fuck that. <laughs> Let's just make a double down where it's just, <laughs> the buns are fried chicken and there's just bacon in the middle. Mm. We're not healthy. Fucking junk food. Mm. Get around it. Mm. I feel like Mortal Kombat does the same thing. It's like, oh, it's too gory. We'll make it gorier. Mm. It's so over the top. And, and the fighting movie. We don't need a plot. It's a fight tournament. Loud sound effect. Yeah, yeah. Puffy. <laughs> Etc. So I have a lot of respect for that kind of strategy. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Double down. Mm. Double, Double down, down on a stacker. Because there's this weird thing with with Super Mario as well. The movie. Where it seemed to be in their heads that to make a video game movie, you have to come up with some weird twist. Whereas mm. if they made a Mario movie now, Mario, it would be just, it wouldn't have to be dark and gritty. It would mm. just be some weird movie about <laughs> this weird little character. Uh-huh. That, yeah, they would own it. It's so weird that they made these choices then. Mm. So weird. Anyway, what was the style at the time? It was the style at the time. Now they had a $30 million budget. They had 10 weeks with which to shoot this thing. Mm-hmm. They had six weeks in Thailand, four weeks in Australia. Oh. I didn't know that, but I was thinking maybe in hindsight, maybe that's why there's a lot of hype here for it as well. I mean, I'm sure there was hype everywhere, but mm. maybe there's a special something. Got it obviously got Al Kylie. Yeah, and I think that might have been why. I think there might have been some deal with if you're going to shoot here, you have to cast some Aussies. Because I think Blanca in human form was an Aussie, I believe. All right. Don't, don't remember his name. Uh, they got Benny the Jet, Urquidez, Urquidez, I always say Urquidez, Urquidez, um, who we remember from Roadhouse, I believe, yeah, a few he's, others. He's been in a few other, I think he was, probably pops up in... Um, Lethal Weapon maybe? What's Maybe. Um, what's it called? Jackie Chan and... Rush Hour. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The legend of Benny the Jet. Yeah. So they get him, which is good. Um, everything's looking pretty good, right? Mm. You've looking, got the ingredients. You've got all the ingredients. It's not, it's how... Much of each ingredient and the temperature and length of the cooking. Well, you're exactly right because they put a little too much heat mm. on two of the ingredients being Jean-Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia. Important casting choices but casting choices that would take up the bulk of the budget. Right. I think Jean-Claude Van Damme had seven or eight million for this. Okay. Which is pretty massive. It's almost a third of the budget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the, the rest of the actors were relatively – Fresh faces. Mm. And so they were, he had all these inexperienced actors. He had a pretty tight timeline, like 10 weeks is not long. Mm. None of these people could fight. But you got Benny the Jet, Urquidez, and he's got to train all these people in the fighting. So they try and like stack the shooting schedule so that all the non fighting scenes are earlier in the shoot and then simultaneously mm. they're training to fight. 
So by the time they do the fight scenes, they they'll be half, trained. They can at least camera fight some. Yeah. But of well, course, that was the intention. Yeah. But of course, one of your leads, Raul Julia, has stomach cancer. He shows up not looking great. He had just lost a lot of weight, so maybe he'd just been through a cycle of chemo or something. I'm mm. not sure. But they decided to give him time to put on some more weight and saved all his stuff to the end. Everything's brought forward. All these people don't know how to fight. <laughs> yeah, right. And then they realise Benny the Jet is teaching them how to fight all the same, the same style. He doesn't actually know much about the game and that it, the whole point is that they all fight different styles and things. Mm. So they're all kind of learning how to fight but they're all fighting exactly the same. All this stuff is just creating – all these actors, basically there's, there's a million little examples of shit but basically no one knew what they were doing. They'd be like, you ready for your knife fight with – Whatever, and he's like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> and they were just going to shoot these things, and that's why all the cuts are just—you don't oh. ever see like one full completed kick or anything. It's horrible. Everything is just cut, 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 cut. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, attempting to polish a turd at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if, there were issues, script issues since day one. <laughs> script issues from day one. Well, this is the other thing too. I think it's important to point out here: they still shot the scripts they had, so that even the. Even if none of those were issues, it's not like it would have been an Oscar winning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like uh, there were many other problems, but this didn't make it easier. Although, who knows, maybe this cocktail of disasters actually made it more of a fun movie because it was pretty fun. Mm. Spoiler alert. Mm. Um, so they were all behind schedule, yada, yada, yada. And the final twist of the knife for poor D'Souza trying to make this thing was a peak, peak fame, peak... Drug addict, yes. Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, I don't uh, I feel bad saying peak drug addict. He was going through some shit. He was going through was, a lot of cocaine. He was partying. He was partying a lot. They said Van he was doing. Van Damme wants to party all the time. Party all the time. Party <laughs> exactly. All the time. They say I was doing ten grand worth of coke per week. Wow. Keep going. I've got this quote from D'Souza. He says, "I couldn't talk about, I couldn't talk about it at the time, but I can now." Jean-Claude was coked out of his mind. The studio had hired a wrangler to take care of him, but unfortunately the wrangler himself was a bad influence. <laughs> so it was just a party buddy. The wrangler was Charlie Sheen or something. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Belushi. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jean-Claude was calling in sick so much I had to keep looking through the script to find something else to film. So again, the schedule was all over the shop. I couldn't just sit around for hours waiting for him. On two occasions the producers allowed him to go to Hong Kong um, and both occasions he came back late. On Mondays, Why did you go to Hong Kong? I don't know, Kumite? <laughs> Party? Yeah. Catch See, up with Jackson? Yeah, or Alex. Uh, and on Mondays he wasn't there at all. So quite a – Yeah. <laughs> what a tough gig, man, trying to yeah. make this movie. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about Van Damme's career trajectory after this, but also poor D'Souza. Coming off Commando and Die Hard, this is a steady ascension too. Mm-hmm. Until now yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. This is a bit of a turning point for a couple of these names. But to round out cast, we had Van Damme as Colonel Gale, Raul Julia as Bison, Ming-Na Wen as Chun-Li, Damien Chapa as Ken, mm. Kylie Minogue as Cammy Al-Kylie. Mm. Charlene. Charlene. Byron Mann as Ryu, Ryu. Roshan Seth as Dal Sim, Andrew Brynarski <laughs> as Zangief. Zangief was pretty good. He's good, yeah. Grand L. Bush as Balrog, Robert Mamoon as Carlos, Charlie Blanca, Miguel A. Nunez Jr. as DJ, Greg Rainwater as T-Hawk. 
Oh, wow, he might have actually been Native American. Jay Tavir as Vega. Peter Tuasa Sopo as Honda. And Wes Studi as Sagat. Ah. A lot of names there. A lot of characters. A lot of familiar ones. A lot of new ones. Indeed. But you know what they did then? They got these people who rounded them all up in front of a camera, got it banged on Jean-Claude Van Damme's trailer. Yep. And dragged they got him out of there. Out of there them assembled them doing different, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and they, they shot a movie, Bish Bash Bosh, uh, Street Fighter. You win. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> rap party at the Viper Room. That would be a good rap party. Yeah. No, the Gold Coast. Rap party at Cavill Avenue. Oh, yeah. yeah. Shooters. Shooters. Cocktails and dreams. Yeah. There you go. Let's play the trailer. After seven months of fighting, the civil war in Chateau may have reached the turning point. The capital has just fallen. In December 1994, the forces of freedom will face a power-mad dictator in a struggle for the fate of the world. I don't think so. You have to do better than that. Okay. Yeah! Now, who wants to go home and who wants to go with me? We've entered the era where they pick the best bits out of the trailer. Uh, sorry, out of the film to make the trailer. What a trailer. That I was, wanna, I'm amped. I want to watch it. That was a good trailer. Mm-hmm. I think for the time too, that's like what you would see in a modern trailer, mm. like Suicide Squad kind of vibe trailer. Okay. Where you take like a song and I don't know. You make it almost like a music video. Ah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, a movie like this, plot is very important, isn't it, Craig? Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not. Are you able to piece together <laughs> <laughs> the jumbled shit bag of forty hour and forty minutes? I'd love to see you try to crack the plot synopsis for this one. You like that Charlie Day meme? I'm going to have a crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Red strings all over the wall. I'm trying to piece it together. Okay, <laughs> so they turned the game into something with a storyline. Mm. Air quotes. A game that already had a storyline. Apparently, mm. <laughs> they took it and pissed on it and ripped it up and stuck it against the wall. Yeah. Uh, The world is under siege, I think. Bison has some hostages. And he has a big ransom. One of the hostages is Guile's mate who he turns into Blanca, Mm. I guess. Guile is an army captain or something. Mm. He seems very tired. Uh, He's a very lethargic army general. He shouts a lot. Yeah. when even when he's shouting, his eyes look tired. <laughs> the eyes never like Chico. He's very tired. We're, we're dealing with a very tired army general here. Yeah. 
But he seems to have a lot of power because he's got control over this, that, and, and he gets told to stand down, but he goes in any way. Then you got Chan Lee over here. She's a reporter that knows Kung Fu and wants to revenge her father's death. Mm. I think she works with E Honda, coincidentally. Um, Who's Hawaiian? Who's Hawaiian now? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> if Ireland washed. Yeah. Then you got Ken and Ryu uh, in a botched arm trade with Saget and Vega. But then they go undercover for Guile as a way to win their freedom. <laughs> Guile's really got a lot of breadth and power and I can't quite understand it. Yeah. Um, so they go after Bison. Uh, it's also a love story between Guile and all the ladies, apparently. Apparently. Or both the ladies. Both the ladies. Yeah. Call me, call me there. <laughs> yeah. So if that didn't make any sense to you, it shouldn't. It was thrilling. Yeah, how was the rewatch? I think my main, my overall reaction would be, is this a good movie? No. Is it enjoyable to watch? Very much so. It's a beautiful disaster. It's a delight. <laughs> it doesn't let up. As soon as the logo comes on, it's like <laughs> Street Fighter mm. and then it's just all kinds of a shit. A cacophony of colours. and So many things. Things. Yeah, lots of shapes and bright colours moving. Yeah. I was very entertained. Yeah. <laughs> it is a stimulating film. You don't get bored. Like You can't say you watch this and you got bored. No. It's probably the least boring Van Damme movie. Not that the other ones are boring, but each one of them has a bit of a lull mm. somewhere in there. There's no lull here. Well, it's very little Van Damme here. I was thinking that as I was just looking over my notes. He for pops, a Van Damme movie, we're not, I don't have a lot to say about him. He pops up here and there and sort of says something. It's and an ensemble cast. Does a kick and yeah, this is an ensemble cast. Goes back to sleep. Yeah. It is an ensemble cast. Well, actually, it only is an ensemble of, cast sort of in hindsight because at the time a lot of them weren't. Very famous. Mm. When was Mulan? Ming Na Wen was Mulan. Yeah, I'd, that must have been soon after this. Yeah, she went into ER. Not like she went to the. She went. She was ah, cast on ER yeah, after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely early Ming though. Yeah, it must be early Ming because she's like fifty-seven now. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, she's had. She's been everywhere. She was on Two and a Half Men for a while as well. She's on Agents of Shield. She's, she's in had the a Marvel great Universe. career. She yeah. was in the. Um, What's the Star Wars thing? Mandalorian, I believe. Oh, was she? Yeah. I forgot I was watching that animated two episodes. She's in the new Mulan as well. Oh, a little cameo there. She looks kind of the same. Yeah. She hasn't really aged much. No. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah, she was kind of a highlight of the movie. There were a few other highlights. Actually, speaking of, there's one scene in particular that I think is actually good and this is the one that I remembered from a kid. And it actually left a lasting impact on me. I remember thinking about this for days after. And I'm not going to over-explain it. I'll play the clip. And I'm probably overselling it now. <laughs> for the movie that this was shooting to be, I think this scene is the one that made it through as like, oh, this is a pretty good scene. Okay. It's the scene where uh, Chun-Li, played by Ming-Na Wen. Dances around in leotard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, she has a kind of monologue with Bison and then... Pretty iconic line comes after that. It was 20 years ago. You hadn't promoted yourself to general yet. You were just a petty drug lord. Drug lord? You and your gang of murderers gathered your small ounce of courage to raid across the border for food, weapons, (laughs) slave labor. father was the village magistrate. 
simple man with a simple code, justice. He gathered the few people that he could to stand against you. <laughs> you and your bullies were driven back by farmers with pitchforks. <laughs> My father saved his village oh, at the cost of his own life. You had him shot as you ran away. A hero at a thousand paces. I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it. You don't remember? For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. That shit's pretty hardcore. Mm. I like that. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's an Oscar clip or something, but in terms of like the... Maybe satin clip. Yeah, maybe. It's like to use a Nick Cageism, it's, a, it's somewhat operatic mm. in that. You can <laughs> see kind of the DNA of maybe what the movie could have been if it kind of Ooh. was there. Mm. And that line really did fuck with me for a while as a kid. I was like, whoa, for him it was just, oh, whoa, that's like... <laughs> Crazy. Struck a chord. For me, that's like profound. As a kid, that was so profound to me. I was mm. like, whoa. It was hardcore. And then similar was the Zangief stuff. When those came up, I was like, he is good, man. Yeah. Change the channel. <laughs> We're the bad guys. <laughs> you get paid. <laughs> it's so hammy and everything, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. And everything Raul Julia's doing is good fun. Mm. But what, how was the rewatch for you overall? Um. Yeah, look, it was interesting. It was be- better than the first time I watched it. Yeah, right. I-, I was definitely less critical. I definitely went into it with a lower, you know, bar of what what to expect. Yeah, Street Fighter was so important back then. It was life. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was angry. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, now I just kind of took it for what it was. Yeah. Which was a collection of things and pretty entertaining and lots of bright colours. Yeah. And I mean, as a, I think it was a disastrous depiction of Street Fighter. Oh yeah. But you, you're right. For an entertainment perspective, I got it. Wasn't bored. Yeah. And I was laughing. Yeah. At the absurdity. I, yeah. <laughs> a lot of Kylie Minogue's lines. Oh man. And even Van Damme, like just watching him now, knowing what I know, and about he's still, that point in his life. Yeah, and he still can't. He's playing the most American character he's ever played, and he's still like not emphasizing the right syllables in a sentence. He looked like death warmed up. He yeah. Really looked tired. Like they've obviously dragged him out for these scenes. Yeah. But yeah, oh, yeah, the casting was pretty weak. This is the collection agency. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but a few little bits and pieces that I either enjoyed or hated. Mm. Well, I know I overall enjoyed all of them. Yeah, okay. But the thing that's so bizarre about all of this is like there was more than enough to go off. But these, so these are all choices they made. Mm. Someone decided, well, E Honda sh- should be Hawaiian. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, why? Someone came up with Bisonopolis. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was dreadful. <laughs> Oh, did you notice Bison's little hover thing that he travels around in? The controls for that were Street Fighter controls. There's a joystick oh, and six nice. buttons. That's quite cool. Little Easter egg, I believe that's mm, called. Yeah, yeah. Um, for some reason they decided to sort of make it an origin story for most of the characters. But, yeah, why? Don't recreate something that's already there. It's so weird. It's so weird. And, yeah, you don't need to explain all of these. Just let – it's so weird. Um the fights were so edited, which now we know why, I suppose, especially when they do start to do the what would be close to their special moves in the game. Oh. Like 
Giles flip kick thing, but you they chop and change it so quick that it doesn't even it's not even can't really tell what it is. And then what you say with Bison flying, and it's like they've just got him on a flying fox or something. Like it's oh, no, it so there's boring. no, there's no velocity. Saget didn't even <laughs> Saget didn't even do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's supposed to be a Thai kickboxer, right? And totally, he looked the part. He did. He looked quite good. I don't know if he's Thai, but. Just overall vibe-wise, he he looked the part. Mm. The weird. Did you notice the weird prison sex joke? No. So when Bullrog and E Honda are chained up, Honda, give me a hand. We've only been in jail two hours. Maybe next month. Give me a hand, fool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Why is that there? <laughs> don't, hey, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't change any of this. I think this is all fun. He <laughs> <laughs> just caught you off guard. Yeah. Character pose at the end. Why do they do it? I don't care. I love it. Obviously, it's throw back to the game. But mm. in terms of the reality of the movie, why are they doing that? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? It was at odds. Um, it juxtaposed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also overall meta, you know, the fact that we've talked about before how the movie Bloodsport inspired the game Mortal Kombat, which Jean-Claude mm-hmm. Van Damme was supposed to be in, hence mm-hmm. Johnny Cage, JC. Yeah. It's somewhat ironic that he ends up in a Street Fighter movie instead of... You know, he has, yeah. he has ties to this other thing and ends up in here. That's just interesting. Yeah, that's true. And the one time we do nearly get a cage fight in the beginning, it's broken up by, of all people, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and he arrests them all. He drives in. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, all right, we're going to get something that looks like Tank. it's from the game. Mm. No. <laughs> Before you throw one punch. <laughs> You're all under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is he's so he's tired. Just getting he's like he slumps he slumps yeah. over. You're all under arrest. <laughs> it's the laziest oh, army man. general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and Chun Li and Cammy have one bit of dialogue with each other with which they choose to criticize each other's hair. Oh good. Yeah. That's Bechtel. <laughs> yeah, it's like technically Bechtel, but Well they both they're the, both thirsting for the same character. As women should, it yeah. turns out. Yeah, true. Um, as long as you wear that dress. One of my favourite, yeah. Guile fakes his own death, right? Mm. What must be at least an hour later, Chun-Li's in there snooping and there's a body under a sheet and it's Guile and he's like, well, surprise, I'm alive. How long has he been just lying under a sheet with no one around? A while. <laughs> long time. Unnecessarily. Oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting up. Why don't we have me lie here for, t- for the rest of the day? <laughs> when do I get to shoot my pretending to be dead scene again? <laughs> <laughs> <In the suit. laughs> I'm just going to get into character. He went method for that. Oh, so method. Yeah. Went, oh I think God. he went myth. So funny. Uh, and there's just so many things. And actually, these are all just the ones I remembered. I didn't take many notes while watching because... I knew there was going to be a lot of things and if I tried to take notes, I wouldn't have just watched it. So I actually just wanted to it soak it all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought a good place to start. We talked about how E-Honda to start. We're an hour and eight minutes in. <laughs> I thought a good area to explore. So we mentioned E-Honda as Hawaiian in this for no reason. We do a little character audit. We give it a pass or a fail. You can you can hit the things of okay. the thing. Of it. I got them. So I'll read out the official Street Fighter game summary of the character. Let's see how well they got it in the movie. Yeah. Start with the, the obvious, Ryu, a Japanese karateka seeking to hone his skills. He's the winner of the previous tournament. He's not convinced that he's the greatest fighter in the world and comes to this tournament in search of fresh competition. That has nothing to do with this. <laughs> so I guess I should also caveat that these kind of 
also link into the story. It's not just their backstory, but yeah, and the you, plot. The word tournament's going to be used a lot. Um, Ken. Ken is Ryu's best friend, greatest rival, and former training partner from the United States. Ryu's personal challenge rekindled Ken's fighting spirit and persuaded him to enter the World Warrior Tournament. E Honda is a sumo wrestler from Japan. Guile, a former United States. <laughs> Chun Li is a Chinese martial artist. Well, she was not a reporter. <laughs> she has a deceased father. There you go. Blanca, a beast like mutant from Brazil. Sangeef, a professional wrestler and sambo fighter from the Soviet Union. He aims to prove Soviet strength is the strongest form of strength, particularly by defeating American opponents with his bare hands. You could argue that's pretty close. Dal Sim is a fire-breathing yoga master. So we don't need to finish most of these. Um, Balrog is an American boxer with a similar appearance to Mike Tyson called M. Bison in Japan. One of the world's greatest heavyweight boxers who began working for Shadowloo for easy money. So he's a bad guy in the games. So he's, he's wrong in this. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> <Give me a> red. <laughs> he's not a cameraman, for instance. No. And now Vega, the, the one that the I think cameraman is... cameraman that wears boxing gloves around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just in case. Yeah. This one is actually the closest, I think. Vega, Spanish yeah. bullfighter who wields a claw and uses a unique style of ninjutsu called Bolrog in Japan. He's vain and wishes to eliminate ugly people from the world. I'd say that's probably true. He had a good rig. Yeah. Can I just elaborate a little bit more on Blanca? Yeah. So Blanca was raised in the jungle after his plane was crashed down after being electrocuted. Yeah. <laughs> Not tortured by Bison as a Giles mate, Charlie, yeah. who's a different character in the... Oops. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Charlie's an actually a, is a character in later Street Fighters. Oh, right. Interesting. FYI. They got all these stories. They're fighters. It's a tournament. Why do you come up with this Just shit? weaving those story li- those backstories together into a story would have been a great accomplishment. 100%. It's crazy. And yet you've taken other backstories that didn't make sense and weave them into a story that didn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. And there are other movies. I looked up the best Street Fighter movies and I tried to watch one but I just didn't have time. Yeah. And it's called Street Fighter 2, the animated movie. And it looked quite good and from what I saw it, it stuck pretty close to the original story. Well, I read a bit about, I haven't watched it, the sequel to this called Street Fighter, The Legend of Chung and Lee. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's a sequel, sequel. Well, it, yeah. It's a, it's, it sounds uh, good. It's got, so from a casting perspective compared yeah. to the horror show that we watched, Chun Lee's portrayed by Kristen Kruick. Yeah. Who's the chick from Smallville. Yeah. She's a babe. She's a babe. Um, story about the events before the original Street Fighter as it follows Chun Lee's personal history. So it's got Neil Madonna as Bison. Mm. You know that guy? I think he was in Smallville as well. He was Lex Luthor, was he? Wait, is that him? He's the bad guy in Walking Tall with. Oh, right. That I don't guy. know if he's in Smallville, but yeah, okay. I know the face. You know the guy? Yeah. He was in Sonic. I was watching Sonic. Was the other he? Day. Is he good? Is he a bad guy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, sort of. He's a military type. Oh, okay. So him, Chris Klein as Charlie. <laughs> huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michael Clark Duncan as Balrog. Oh, yeah. yeah. Black Eyed Peas member Taboo as Vega. Huh. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's not bad. Not bad. And Robin Shu. As like the old martial arts instructor who's Liu Kang from Mortal Kombat. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and the director was uh, Andres Bartuak who had done Romeo Must Die and Exit Wounds. Right. And was a cinematographer on like in terms of endearment and all this stuff. 
Trailer didn't give much away though. Trailer didn't look great. It looked very dark. I think it's got a lower Rotten Tomatoes. It does. It doesn't do well. But I just thought that cast had potential. Well, and I think that's the way to do it. I think The Legend of Chun-Li is the right approach. Mm. I think Star Wars do a good job of like the movies and the games having different roles. Yeah. Like why make a movie of Street Fighter and try and tell a million different stories when you could could just have a series of Street Fighter movies and each Mm. one tells a little bit of a different character. Yeah. Zoom in on one area, one very specific area. Like the story of Street Fighter, when I was looking up what's the official story of Street Fighter, there is sort of a canon story of Street Fighter, but also due to the nature of the game, the story changes depending on who you play as and win as. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's, a, it's non-linear. You can't just translate that into a movie. But if you start to zoom in on different areas. You got something. You got something there. Um, I thought it would be interesting to, uh, we just talked about video game movies. Mm, have, mm-hmm. a, have a quick glance at some of the rankings of best and worst video game movies of all oh, time. Oh, yeah, let's do it. What do you think the number one is? The best. I, I wouldn't have guessed this. <laughs> oh, I can't even think of any. This is based on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, there's a bunch that I didn't know existed. Number one was Angry Birds 2. Oh, gosh. With a Rotten Tomatoes score of 73%. Number two, Detective Pikachu. Wouldn't, never heard of it. Number three was Sonic. So I put on, oh, yeah. unrelated to this, well, at the time I didn't make the connections, but yesterday I wanted to have a nap, but I wanted to put something on that. I didn't mind falling asleep too. Saw that was on Amazon, so I put it on. It was pretty good. I've heard it's pretty good. I only watched the first 20 minutes or something. But in terms of making a story out of that, it was well done. It's got Jim Carrey. Yeah, and Jim Carrey being old school Jim Carrey. Like, that's how you do it, man. Mm. It's good. Yeah. This one, Street Fighter, is all the way down at number 36, I think. Oh, yeah. I yeah. I ran out of the top five and then I'll go through some of the bottom ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2018 version of Tomb Raider is number four. Right. Who was in that? That girl. Um, Swedish chick. Alice, Alicia Vikander. Yeah, she's Swedish. And that I watched I watched a bit of that. It's yeah. just boring. Like I get what they're doing. But this boring. is the kind of thing where it's like if you're just going to make it like the game, I'd rather play the game because then mm. I'm, I'm doing the shit. Yeah. It's not that interesting watching someone else do it. Yeah, that's a, that's a style, isn't it, to, to shoot – Movies like a video, like John Wick does that a little bit, doesn't it? It sometimes feels a bit like yeah. video gamey. Oh, but I also just been like, if it's a direct, such a faithful adaptation of the game, just play the game. Mm. <laughs> mm. Rampage is number five. Oh, yeah. That, the Rock movie. Yeah. When I say number five, it had 51% Rotten Tomatoes. So mm. only, it's the, not a, only the it's top not a three are. punching genre. Yeah. Only the top three are not rotten. <laughs> Certified fresh? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that counts. They're just not rotten. <laughs> <laughs> They're in purgatory. Yeah. Mortal Kombat is number six at 48%. Um, oh, what? Yeah. Does that get 48%? I would have given that more. I think it's one of those ones we like now looking back. I loved it then. I'm, really? I'm nervous for the rewatch. I think it's more like uh, we can accept it now for just being mm. unashamedly what it is. Mm. Mm. Uh, but Mortal Kombat Annihilation is the second worst one with 2%. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. I don't know what half of these other ones are. Yeah, Street Fighter Legend of Chun-Li is only 5%. It's number 38. That's a really low score. It's a very low score. Yeah. So anyway, it's interesting to see the lay of the land there. This one is in the top 40. There's 42 in there. This one's in the top 40. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we talk a little bit about Jean-Claude Van Damme? And I guess we should do the JCVD test, shouldn't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. All right, so just to recap, JCVD test is testing uh, – the plot of this movie and Jean-Claude's role within it against the universal Jean-Claude Van Damme plot synopsis, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which goes a little something like this. Uh, 
Jean-Claude Van Damme plays an American, air quotes, who wears high-waisted pleated pants in a foreign land on a quest to seek revenge for a fallen loved one at the hands of morally corrupt racial stereotypes. Oh. But he's about to find out. Training to fight his enemies means facing the enemies within and slowly doing the splits. He also gets his buns out. Interesting. Interesting. There's, there's a meta. It's, it's a hit and miss. There's a meta message in there. Oh, the journey of Jean-Claude Van Damme in making this movie. The demon. We just got to a new level. Wow, yeah, Greg. Wow. You really made something there. Now, played American, this is the most American character ever played. That's a yes. Doesn't get his buns out, does he? It's a shame. <laughs> it's a shame. <laughs> I knew this movie was missing something. Yeah, a couple of things. It's like, perhaps when I am dead, I should be laying with my buns out. Yeah, like in Universal Soldier. Yes. Yeah. I'm the collection agency and my ass is overdue. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's um, itself. Yeah. Splits. I don't think, did you do splits kick maybe somewhere in there? Mm. No, there wasn't front and center if you did. High-waisted pleated pants, marginal maybe. Yeah, he had his kicking pants on. We'll be generous. But where it over-delivers is, of course, mysterious foreign land and all kinds of racial stereotypes. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, morally corrupt. Bison. Yeah. Morally corrupt. And it's a made-up foreign friend. land. It's not even a real foreign land. He's going after Charlie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, that's good. It's good. And then I, I think wasn't expecting you, it. It has a couple of gaps there. But to your point, Greg, on a meta level, facing the enemies within, mm. they're struggling. You know, soon after this, well, relatively soon, he, he, Jean-Claude Van Damme had some struggles here. He was later diagnosed with bipolar and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But, uh, yeah, at this point he didn't know that. Nope. And uh, he was going through some shit. It sure was. Um, and his career kind of paid the price because – Every, like I said in the setup here, every movie we've done of Jean-Claude Van Damme, because we're doing it in a chronological order, it's like the steady ascension. Yeah. The Maybe ri- a, few, the a few little dips here and there, but overall yeah. trending upward. Whereas after this, uh, less so. You got yeah. um, Sudden Death, which is is probably still tier one Van Damme, I would say, mm. maybe the final tier one. Then you get the quest, maximum risk, double team, knockoff, legionnaire, then you get into Universal Soldier sequels and that's kind mm. of where it starts to taper off. Yeah. And it's crazy because this is when he was at his biggest too. So I found a quote about two things from Van Damme. <laughs> yes. Two of the most interesting things that I know we all want to talk about. Yes. Uh, the first being Kylie Minogue. Mm-hmm. It was an article that was an interview with Van Damme and uh, the interviewer asked about Kylie Minogue. He's like, oh, I heard you had an affair. And he's like, oh, where did you hear that? And he's like, oh, I can't remember. Oh, let me think. And then he says... Yes, okay, yes, 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 it happened. I was in Thailand, we had an affair, sweet, kiss, beautiful lovemaking. <laughs> it would be abnormal not to have had an affair. <laughs> She's so beautiful when she was there in front of me every day with a beautiful smile, simpatico, so charming. She wasn't acting like a big star. Uh, I knew Thailand very well, so I showed her my Thailand. She's a great lady. So it was, he was married. Mm. His wife was pregnant with his second kid. Ah. But this was his second wife at the time. But it would have been abnormal. Yeah. Not to. Simpatico. Simpatico. The second quote that I thought was very interesting was, it gives a bit of insight into the tapering off that happens soon after this. At this point on paper, if you're looking at him and his rising star, you, he is the next Arnold. Like he's on track for that. Yeah. And he knows this too. And he, um, 
he played a little too hardball with the studios. Oh, really? Yeah. So after them cap, oh. um, he got offered a three-picture deal from Universal for $12 million and he demanded $20 million. Like Jim Carrey. Mm. Didn't go so well. He said this about it. I was fucked up, man. But, you know, it was not about the money. Uh, the people reading this will say, what a fucking piglet. <laughs> Sorry about my expression. I was making movie after movie and in between movies I was doing promotion. I was tired. Everything I was touching was making money. Jim Carrey was being paid a fortune and I wanted to play with the system like an idiot. Ridiculous. And he said they hung up on him and he was on the blacklist from that point. Oh. Yeah. I would I, I would assume that also stories of this, his behaviour on set here yeah. was getting out. It's just like, oh, he wants to work with this guy. Mm. Yeah, it's a shame. It is a damn shame. Because we love this man. Damn, damn and shame. when you see him in these early promotional tours and he's the sweetest guy in the world, he's yeah. still the sweetest guy. He's going through a rough patch and made some poor decisions. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> it's heartbreaking. Hollywood grabbed a hold of him for a while there. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Frank Dukes talks about this a lot in our interview with him too. He does. Yeah, we'll get into that. He does. Yeah, yeah. Coming soon. Um, oh, one of the best parts I forgot to tell you. Oh, I sent it to you, but we forgot to say it on the pod. Was because Capcom paid for most of this. They had all these actors right there in costume. They made Street Fighter the movie the game. Yeah, what was that? It's hard to well, I can describe it, but I'll put a clip on yeah. Insta because there's an amazing making of. They, so they've got them all in costume, doing the moves yeah, on a going, blue screen. So yeah, yeah. And they made the game. It looks more like Mortal Kombat, where it's photos. Yeah. yeah. It looks fucking great. It's probably not good, but it looks really cool. There's a fighting game out there with Kylie Minogue in it. Kylie Minogue. Isn't that crazy? There's Very a fighter game out there with a with a Hawaiian e Honda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks good. They had stunt people as well for different moves. Mm. But also because of the way they animate that shit, they'll just get a you know, a still image of you lying down mm. and then, you know, drag it across the screen, you're flying there. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Have you seen that clip of how um the Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat stuff? making? It looks exactly like that, basically. It looks exactly like yeah. that. It's really cool. And I just I love the cheesiness of calling it. Street Fighter the movie, the game. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> they Why should not? turn that into a movie though. Yeah. Street Fighter the movie, the game, the movie. <gasps> then a stage show of that. <laughs> Street Fighter the movie, the game, the movie on Broadway. Off Broadway. Off Broadway. Off, off Broadway. Then make a game out of the movie based on the Broadway show. Um, look, Raul, Julia, there's a lot to talk about there, but We'll talk about that maybe on a we'll go Adam's we'll family. do a deep dive on an Adams family yeah. episode there. Obviously, this is the last movie. There's a nice uh for Raul at the end, which is kinda nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, it's kind of the verdict. Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like you to answer the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Overall thought for me, is it a rewatch? Yes. It's just fun to watch. <laughs> that's kind of all there is to it. It's not a good movie. If I had to give it stars, I'd probably give it... Two and a half. Fucking good to watch though. How about you? Um, I'm probably a little te- – I'm probably a tear under you. Like I, yeah. I was comfortable watching it. It wasn't as bad as I remember. I was like, yeah. Yeah, this is, you got to take this for what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It still saddens me a little that Van Damme's in this because he's – It doesn't make any sense. 
Can I go through my soft repitch, which includes recasties and redirectees? Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the, re- the recasties are hit and miss. I didn't do them all because obviously I also think that they probably shouldn't all be Americans, but I don't know many act- actors outside of that. Yeah. But the big ones for me are you get if you're trying to make this Street Fighter movie, so I agree it's things like The Legend of Chun-Li are the way to actually make a good mm-hmm. movie. But if you're trying to make this movie, the kind of ensemble thing, you get James Gunn to direct Mr. Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. The guy that's making the new Suicide Squad movie. Ah, yes, James. Yeah, James Gunn. He knows how to Jimmy do this. Jimmy the Gun. Jimmy the Gun. He can do this like it's funny but it's serious but it's it's wacky and, you know, all these things. And he can have trees and he can all t- kinds of aliens. Yeah, or he can put Vin Diesel in there. I should add that to the list. But, of course, you get… Uh, him. Yeah. <laughs> you get Nick Cage's bison. I, when you said Nick Cage before, <laughs> I was like, ooh. Yeah, Nick Cage's bison. You get the great Carly as Blanca. That was the guy I was asking oh, about before. yeah. He's good, right? He's just a giant human. He's a giant man, yeah. Yeah, he's not Brazilian though. I thought he was Brazilian. I think he's Indian. Yeah. But he kind of looks Brazilian. It's probably problematic to <laughs> make that casting choice. Yeah, maybe, but, maybe in the 90s would have been sweet. Yeah. Um, Constance Wu as Chun-Li. Um, she's from Crazy Rich Asians, um, you know, the chick. Yeah. Idris Elba as, as Balrog. Oh, yeah. And Ziz as Vega. Ziz. Remember Ziz? Of course. <laughs> he, this guy looked like Ziz, man. He did. He even did the pose like Ziz. Ziz is dead, Ziz. Un- unfortunately, R.I.P. Ziz is a, is, a, is a legend. He's a specimen and he would fit that role perfectly. Yeah, love it. Yeah, so that's my movie. I uh, watch it. Yeah. I did recasties based on MMA fighters. Oh, that's good. Um, so you might know some of these people. Well, I think that's a good, po- that's a good overall point. Cast people that can fight. Yeah, as a rule. Yeah. Um, as a general rule. Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of them Yeah. now. Yeah. You've got, you've got plenty to work with. Yeah. All right, I'll fly through these because I've got about ten. Okay, Ryu, I had Yoshiro Akiyama, otherwise known as Sexy Yama. He's a bit of a legend. He's a little bit older now, but he's uh, uh, he has he has a he has a, a face for for cinema. Ah, his nickname Sexy Yama. Sexy Yama. <laughs> yeah, he's very handsome man. Oh, there you go. Um, that works. So he's retired. But so you're good. complimenting mine because I didn't. I couldn't have. I did had no Ryu and that kind of thing. There you go. Yeah, Ken. I had Sage Northcutt. Have you had a Super Sage Northcutt? I didn't have Ken either. So this is he looks like Ken. Man. I'll show you them after. Bison, I had Van Damme. <laughs> Fuck, you know what? That actually, that does work. Zangief, I had Steven Seagal. He's Russian. <laughs> Guile, Chris Hemsworth. Okay, I'll get to the fighters. Chun oh, Lee. yeah, Chris Hemsworth would be good as Guile. Uh, Chun Li, I had Zhang Weili or Weiling Zhang. She's a Chinese belt holder now. Right. And she's a she's our boast. Yeah, Blanca. I had Vandalay Silva. Art Vandalay. Do you know him? Oh, I had him too. When I was looking, when I was trying to find this guy, yeah. I came across that guy, and I'm like, okay, if I can't find this guy, him, yeah, because I, he's, yeah, he looked like Blanca. That works, <laughs> and he fights like Blanca. Um, Vega. I had Yair Rodriguez, and Sagat. I had Brandon the Truth Vera. Right, not bad. I mean, I don't know who most of those people yeah. are, but they it sounds like they can fight. <laughs> they all can fight. Yeah. Well, the ones that are fighters. We, we could do a little yeah, overlap of our casting choices there. I'll, I'll send you some images. Yeah. I'll, we'll put a recast his post on Instagram. That'll be good. Between them, that's a good movie right there. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. Greg's got to go move. 
Um, thanks again for anyone that's uh, bought merch. Uh, if you still want to buy merch, it's still there. Don't worry. Yeah, so it's not going we'll anywhere. probably keep plugging it on the socials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be new stuff going up. Uh, the mug's just gone up. The keep going mug. It's a motivational phrase there from from Chad. What's his last name? Wexler or something? From Double Impact. Wenger. Wenger. Chad Wenger? Wenger? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad name. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Hey, leave a review if you, if you haven't already. Yeah, thanks uh, for those new ones. Us. A couple yeah. of news. Yeah, we've got some there. new ones in there. Thanks, guys. Thank you very thanks much. Thanks, guys. Bye. We don't even know what movie we're doing next week, yeah. so it's going to be a surprise. Yeah, we like to live dangerously. Yeah, we're crazy like that. Yeah. Bye. Bye.